and boom goes the dynamite. Welcome to episode 49 of Boom Goes a Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, oh Jesus, uh, I think we needed this show after that horror show from last night, and I think you know the one I mean. Yeah, AEW Dark really wasn't that strong last night, I agree. Uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess. Oh you, wait, you, were you watching something different, or um, was there something else on? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Funny story. Uh, did you watch Dark? <laughs> uh, actually, yes, I did. Um, I watched it on the stream. So the stream is back. I was going to talk about this at the end, but yeah, the stream has returned. I'm streaming again. That's something we did today uh, before Dynamite. Uh, I caught up on AEW Dark, and no, uh, all bits aside, there were a couple of good things to like. Ty Conti and Red Velvet stood out. Thought that was a pretty good match. Um, you know, it was just match heavy stuff. Uh, it had some good stuff. The gun club was out there. Uh, there's a, did you know there's a third gun? There's another gun brother. Oh no. Billy has another kid. Oh <laughs> yeah. There's just, I don't know. It's a whole arsenal of guns. It's a whole gun locker. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're enough to call themselves the armory. Uh, maybe don't call themselves the arsenal though, because, uh, I think yeah. Spe- speaking as a fan of the Arsenal, it would I be know. very funny if they called themselves the Arsenal when they work for the guy who owns Fulham. Yeah, right. Exactly. See, you, you see what I'm saying. By the way, yeah. by the way, did you know Arsenal washed Fulham three 0 in the first match of the of the Premier League season? Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Oh, is that the one that Tony Khan was tweeting about? Like, I'm sorry, we need to do better and get center backs and stuff. Oh, uh, well, I didn't see the tweet. When when did he say he did that? a tweet? The other day, uh, well, then that wasn't. Yeah, that that was a different match because they played. Uh, oh God, who did they play? <laughs> On September twenty eighth, that's two days ago. Okay, so two days ago. Okay, uh, God, who did they play this weekend? Because uh, I know that their second match, they nearly came. Uh, their second match of the season, they they nearly came back against Leeds, which that was a fun match. Apparently, uh, I mean, they were so bad that he literally had did a, did a two tweet thing about it. Okay, I'm I'm looking here. Who did they he said? Play? I apologize to Fulham supporters for our performance tonight. We've looked to add center back since Wembley. Oh I'm right, sorry they played we haven't as yet. Yeah, they they, they, they played Monday. Uh, they yeah, they got washed at home three nil by uh, oh, oh yeah three nil again at home. Um, okay. To fellow uh, to uh, to Aston Villa. So. Ooh. Well, yeah, they were they were so bad that Tony Khan felt like he had to address it. Yeah, <laughs> when the owner is tweeting about how bad you are, man, that's uh, not a great sign. Yeah, by good the way, for Tony Khan that this show's going well. By the way, this is a good uh, segue to to announce that uh, yes, uh, this coming up uh, this coming weekend, uh, the next Busting Balls episode will be posted, and uh, we're doing our annual fashion show. So, oh wow, one of my favorite, one of our least listened to, but one of my. Always one of my favorite episodes is that's the fashion good show. Theory. You know what? That's that's good stuff. I I get that. That's good shit. Was that so? I, I guess we'll save that for the end. You, I want. I would like to little, know a little bit more about this fashion show. But uh, we oh, have wait, some wrestling to talk about. I think we we have a lot of wrestling to talk about. So uh, and and you watched some darks and you said it was kind of okay. Not yeah. Great. No, it's it's what dark is. It's match heavy. A few of them stand out. A few of them are like whatever. But uh, I always think it's a fun time. Ricky Starks, I thought stood out on commentary. 
Uh, that was nice to see. Ricky Starks is a five-tool player. Ricky Starks has it all. Kid's a star. And uh, on that note, let's segue nicely into episode 49 of AEW Dynamite, live from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, your hosts on commentary tonight, uh, Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Taz. Um, Tony Schiavone not in the booth for reasons which will become apparent in about, oh, 10 minutes or so. All will be revealed. But yes, Ricky Starks, uh, opens up this show in a grudge match against Darby Allen. Um, who was that in the, in the promo video? Cause I didn't recognize him. Um, he is a rapper. Uh, let me get his name. We were talking about him in a group DM I'm in actually. So I wasn't sure of him either. Uh, fortunately, some of my wrestling friends did, uh, inform me of what was going on. His name is JPEG Mafia. Um, apparently he's a rapper and he does talk about Darby Allen a lot. So I think that there, he's like name checked him in songs and stuff before. And he's a fan and a friend. So yeah, uh, there was a little low key appearance for those who, uh, who were familiar with him and his work. Well, Hey, hey, what's up JPEG Mafia? Uh, in the meantime, uh, this match, uh, what did you think? I thought it was, uh, I mean, this is, we talked about a lot, this a lot. AEW is really good at starting their shows off hot with like the right match to open your card. And this was no different, man. Darby, uh, these are both big time, uh, pieces of AEW's future and, uh, very apparent here. They made really efficient use of their time. A lot of really fun stuff in there. The Brian Cage, Will Hobbs spot was great. Big, big dudes in small, small jeans. I'm all in. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I thought, you know what? I I, I don't know why it's been said over the last year of of doing these shows of how of uh, Darby Allen, you know, looks like he could be one of he could be one of the, the, the guys. So good, Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks. Oh, 100%. Ricky Starks is a can't miss prospect. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. he's a big part of their future, I think, and should be. Yeah, uh, Um, and we'll get to we'll get to their future because there's there there's more um, apparent big pieces of their future featured throughout this episode of Dynamite. Uh, but definitely a big part of it here. These guys are going to be a big part of this show for years to come, and I really can't wait to see what the future holds for both of them. Yeah, especially yeah, and you know, I, I, I I've been thinking that I've been pretty high on Ricky Starks ever since he had that match against Cody Rhodes. In fact, yes, and yeah. then you know he, he's come good since then. But then uh, the one sequence that it, with uh, the coffin drop getting intercepted by a spear, holy shit, yes. that was oh. nice. Yeah, it looked great. It looked really good. And uh, I, li- I like the uh, even the opening spear that Darby countered into the guillotine, I thought looked really good at the beginning of the, of the match, too. Yeah, that, that was good, too. Yeah, no, this was a this is a, a fantastic uh, match. I do question the result, though. I wonder if they maybe should have put Starks over here to, you know, to build, you know, keep building a feud or. Yeah, do you think I, I this was. I mean, it's hard to say, man. I don't think Darby is a guy they want to have any losses on right now, except for the really big matches. Yeah, I mean, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. Well, yeah, I well, I mean, not necessarily. You could, you know, throw the match out or whatever. But um, yeah, if you want to be fucking WWE, but you know, they've proven time and time again, and I want to talk about this um, at some point. Something that AEW does well. Uh, and we talk about this too, is 
you know, they they look at this show and they look at this brand truly big picture in a way that I think the fan is not conditioned to see. So over the last, you know, 30 or so years, WWE truly has dominated this space, especially, you know, national televised wrestling, right? And like it or not, they've really conditioned the fans' mind to think and view wrestling a certain way. And even if you don't want to admit that it's had that effect on you, it has. It just has. If you've been a fan of wrestling, especially people around my age, you know, millennials that have their exposure to wrestling is almost exclusively in that WWE vein and where their influence touches every piece of wrestling around them. We're kind of conditioned to look at wrestling in this instant gratification. What have you done for me lately? You know, put the big shows in front of us. Now the Monday night Wars had a lot to do with that and the way that they kind of do that. But this show is truly a big picture product. And like, you got to think of the, like the talent that's on the show. We're going to get to Isaiah Cassidy later on tonight. We've talked about Ty Conti a lot. Um, you know, we're talking about guys like Darby Allen and guys like Ricky Starks. These are all people in their 20s and like their early to mid 20s at that. What is this show going to look like in four or five years, Jeff? That's like really something to be excited about, in my opinion. Well, um, you know, it, 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 I, I still think it's really optimistic to say that this will be around in four to five years, but we'll see. I mean, but we, we, well, it's we, optimistic to think any of us are going to be around in four to five years, <laughs> right? especially last night. Yeah, that's, that's totally what, this true. This is an optimism podcast. This is what we do. We're talking about wrestling. We're here to give hope. Um, and, and besides, I think they confirmed that Starks is actually 30, but still he's just 30. So I mean, he looks I mean, like he's yeah. 24. I mean, it's, he looks and wrestles like he's 24. It's, uh, he's definitely got a big future ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's definitely signs of the, of the future happening here, and it's good that they they are putting younger talents, even though there are still some that are still getting sidetracked or, or sidelined, I should say. Um, but we'll get to that here actually real short because immediately after this match, we get Cody Rhodes returning for a promo. And uh, boy, he really rambled for a lot of this. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was wrestling. It was a wrestling promo. It's uh, to me, it's old school babyface. Like, it starts out babyface stuff, but then he kind of has like he's doing this tweener thing. The look, I think, is a little off-putting. He had too many chains on his suit. Right. Just too many chains. There's they're not attached to a wallet or a watch. They're just there. They're just chains to be chains. Um, he's definitely dressed like uh, I don't know. He could be like a bad prosecutor in like a Phoenix Wright game. Or, or like <laughs> just like yeah he's just like an like an anime villain or like maybe somebody from like jojo's like he has kind of like a jojo's big adventure oh kind of look yeah, yeah bizarre right adventure. bizarre bizarre adventure. jojo's yeah. bizarre adventure sorry yeah. i've been drinking a lot of white sangria tonight uh but anyways uh, um, yeah like kind of got some, some some jojo energy to him you know boy cody um, joestar i'd be in for cody joestar that'd be a great God. character um, wow. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that I, I thought that you say you think it was a baby face, but I thought he was just rambling. I mean, he, he was like tangential and he finally, I mean, I guess he finally did bring it all together. In yeah, the I mean, I, I think he made his point. I don't really think a lot of it got off track or anything like that. He did the whole, I mean, he, you know, there was a couple beats he wanted to hit. 
you know, uh, I got the Hollywood call. I'm like a Hollywood guy. Plug the show that he's hosting. That's a whole part of this thing, right? It's cross promotion. It's part of the brand. It's TNT stuff. Yeah. It's TV wrestling, right? So you do that. And then, yeah, I think he did bring it together. And like it, very classic, like I say no, then I take five steps and then I turn around. And then the intensity at the end I thought was nice. And I thought that kind of put a, a good bow on it at least. Yeah, but even so, you, you know my annoyance with, with Cody Rhodes. And, I do. And, and you know me, I am the hashtag Cody defender. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, I can't help it. He's a big dork, and I love it. That, that being said, um, he, he does accept the dog collar match, and then all hell breaks loose. Like, literally all hell breaks loose. Which, it, that's it was... what really t- brought this segment back, right? And we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Via as the entire damn Dark Order uh, come out and try to basically kick every Brody Lee tries to kick Cody's ass. Yeah, a bunch of bunch of security comes out, and then uh, then my son Griff Garrison and his weirdo cousin that we don't talk about, Brian Pillman Jr. came out, uh, <laughs> and, and they they got involved. The Gun Club was out there. A bunch of the roster was like trying to hold Cody back. Dark Order is trying to hold Brody back. There was like a dust up and then a pull apart. And then they came back together. Brody was like impossible to restrain. And I really like that intensity from him. Oh, yeah. The suit was great. Another just fucking great suit. <laughs> I, that I, green suit. Oh, I, 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 I have something I need to, 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 to throw at you after we talk about this segment. But um, and then, you know, Brandy Rhodes comes out, does a, you know, does a senton atomico on to the entire damn Dark Order. And then Anna J comes out and yes, she does. Oh damn! So we so we get movement on that angle. Good as well. Good. Uh, Ty Conti was there Jay too. Ty yeah. Conti was out there, and was that Skylar Moore with her? Uh I couldn't tell. I think that was Skylar Moore. That's uh, Serpentico's wife. Oh, I, I see. Think, but who that was? But it, it, the best part was just. Random Nyla Rose beating the fuck out of somebody. <laughs> yeah, no idea just where that came random, from. Uh, but, but yeah, we just had Nyla Rose come out there and beat somebody's ass. Cool. Yeah, sign me up. Hey, uh, we're good. We are good for for Nyla Rose. Well, we're gonna need it because there was only one fucking women's match on this card. So oh, I guess oh, yes. more women we got on here. I'll get into that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we will. Uh, I, I just want to throw one thing out because I wanted to add after witnessing what what both. Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes were wearing in this segment. I want to throw an extra stipulation to this dog collar match is that they have to wear the suits. Oh, I would love that. I, you want to make this match hornier? Put them in those suits. There you go. Dog collars. <laughs> Good. Dog Sign collar match dog, in, in suits. Yes. Oh, I love it. I Let's love that it. so much, Jeff. Yes, please book that. <laughs> please. <laughs> oh, man. They got the dog collars have like little, the, the dog collar has like a little lapel on it you get little lapels <laughs> on the dog collars you put a bolo tie around the around the dog collar a little turquoise bolo I'm tie right you. on there i'm yeah. telling you i'm telling you oh, that's money that is absolutely this is money yes so it what, is can we, we tweet effie about that for the big gay brunch just like a dog collar in suits match <laughs> you go right ahead i don't know if so the collective can... man if someone someone's got to do it now now that it's out in the universe well, I think they you should be doing energy out here. Now it has to follow through. Well, I think they need to be doing that next week <laughs> on, yeah. on this show. Um, yeah, love to see it. By the way, um, God, I just oh yeah, and, and and I love how Jr. mentioned the uh, the, the 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 very Piper uh, Roddy Piper Greg Valentine match that I mentioned last week. 
yeah on this show so <laughs> so. Oh, after that fracas, we uh, go backstage and uh, Tony Schiavone is uh, trying to interview FTR and uh, Matt Jackson just kind of shows up and super kicks Tony Schiavone. Just kind of kicks him right in the face and he's like, oh, sorry. Okay, bye. Oh, oh. And then FTR makes an incredibly good point. What are you doing? Why don't you try to fight us, dude? We're standing right here. Fight us, guy. Why aren't you fighting us? Yeah, that, I think that's a great point. It, it, it really is. Uh, so, I mean, again, yeah, I don't disagree. Dick Jackson not available because he was angrily staring at his boner until it went away. Uh, <laughs> it took him a little bit longer than it took uh, Matt's this week, unfortunately. Oh, boy. <laughs> you're you're going to ride this. Uh, you're going to ride this uh, bit into the sunset, aren't you? <laughs> I'm riding it longer than the uh, Jackson brothers have ridden anything in their lives. So. Oh, Oh, Nelly, <laughs> on that note, we then get to uh, SCU for the Counterpoint promo. SCU! But, you got to do the whole thing. But then uh, Sean Spears just say, yeah, don't count on it, brother. So, so yeah. um, is Daniels hurt? Is that the deal here? You know, I don't know what the deal with Daniels is because... Because the whole thing was like supposed to be Scorpio Sky's doing singles matches and then Kazarian and Daniels are doing the tag stuff now and then yeah. all of a sudden they called it audible. SCU, uh, the Kazarian and uh, Scorpio configuration was also on AEW Dark uh, facing some local uh, type enhancement talent folks right. on Dark last night. So what's the deal here? Like what happened to Scorpio singles push? I'm guessing this is just because Daniels is hurt, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the what He the was deal with them. He was there. He was there. And... He was backstage. Was he out of, he wasn't out on the apron though. He was backstage. No, 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 he no. He, no, he went out on the floor. No, he Did came he? out okay. to the floor. Well, yeah, because remember, well, we'll talk about it here momentarily. But I, I think it is because they wanted to put them together because they were the first AEW tag champions. I guess that makes sense. That's how I read it anyway. Okay. Okay. Fair. I just, I, cause I haven't, we have, when was the last time we saw Daniels wrestle? Now that I think about it, it's been at least a few weeks, right? I don't even know. I'll have to go back and yeah, my yeah, notes. And I don't feel like doing that right now. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> All this is prologue to the 20 minute extravaganza or a, a brush with greatness as they're calling it. Brush with greatness. Um, I like for it's the, good hyperbole right there. For the AEW Tag Team Championships, FTR, FTR So versus... we thought it was going to be like a 20-minute, like you have to go 20 minutes, but it was just like a 20-minute time limit. Well, that's how what I thought it was, and then you went on that tangent last week. I was like, okay, I, did, I, was, too, I was too scared to contradict you. But well, When they say 20-minute <laughs> challenge, I assume like, well, yeah, you need to like last 20 minutes. Like That's what it sounds like or how it's framed. When I hear that, but yeah. it's just a match with a twenty-minute time limit. So yeah, okay. that's what match it is. They want a twenty-minute time limit. Um, so Adam Page comes out and joins on commentary. Yes, he does. Match. God, what a great shirt! Another and, just great shirt. There was so many good fashion choices and so many good looks on this show tonight. Between Cody, like okay, the Cody suit is what it was, but the Cody shoes. Can we talk about the sparkly Cody shoes? He wore them last week too. They're so good. I had the to confess, I are so good. I had to confess, I wasn't looking at the shoes. My man has sparkly ass, sequined ass shoes, and they rule. Goodness They're so gracious. good. I just want, I want Cody's shoes, and I want Adam Page's shirt, and I want one of those FTR satin jackets, right? And uh, and a, and like a Lucha Brothers mask, and Eddie Kingston's <laughs> bandana, and I would be unstoppable. Everybody's wife would leave them for me. 
it, 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 would, would this be this sounds like the modern version of macho warrior rick hogan i would look so cool it's like the reason it won't happen is because, oh, yeah, like, macho warrior like, yeah by the way macho warrior rick hogan was a complete scumbag so you know. <laughs> yeah well look how many look what names he put in there well right you're right <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, this match, uh, early on, Christopher Daniels gets kicked out by, you know, some chicanery. Uh, so they don't have, so SCU does not have uh, the support of that, of him. But of course, you know, th- this leads into the finish. But I have to say, this match overall, uh, much better than I thought it would be. I don't know I, why your expectations would be low for well, literally two of the best tag teams on the planet. Um, I mean, SCU has been doing this for years. Uh, Frankie Kazarian is like a, a fucking mechanic in tag team wrestling. Scorpio Sky is... Kazarian was the highlight. I, I never thought I would say that, but Kazarian but was actually the highlight. But this is what he does. Like, this is the kind of stuff that he shines in. Like, this is his spot. This is where Frankie Kazarian does his best work. Like, the, his all-in prelim match, like their all-in prelim match was fantastic. Uh, this is the kind of the kind of spots that he's really good in. Scorpio Sky, we know how good Scorpio Sky is. He should be getting a singles push. He is that good. And FTR continues to cement themselves as one of the best, if not the best, tag team on the planet. The biggest thing that they do is their complete, like genuinely believable lack of respect for all of their opponents really drives home what they do with these characters and what they do in their matches, right? Right. Like they and, just and, and, don't and, respect anybody. Right, and, and we'll get into that again shortly. Um, yeah. But I, it, it works. It works so well, and they're so believable at it. You just really are like, these shitheads really believe that they're the best. And they carry themselves that they're the best. They wrestle as if they believe they're the best. And that's really effective. You know, I, I saw a tweet that I had to respond to, uh I saw a tweet of somebody saying that AEW does have the best tag team division in wrestling, even better than New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm just That's like, yeah, dude, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I say this, having done, you know, Strong Style Story for coming up on five years now, um, New Japan's tag division is, uh, divisions are complete trash. I'm yeah, sorry. they're not known for that. But but the first part is true. AEW does have the best tag team division of any mainstream wrestling promotion. I don't think that's really up for debate. I think that's an e- easy uh, answer. Like, uh, WWE is obviously not close. NJPW is not there. Impact isn't there. So there you go. It's I, it's AEW, for sure. I mean, all, all Japan isn't really there either. Although they do have Violence Giant, which is, you know, one of the best tag team names ever they have a good yeah, look it's really good. Have, have you ever seen violence giant i don't think so it's no. it, it's suoma and uh and shuji ishikawa so two yeah. big beefy fuckers um of course they also you know, have, like those big meaty men slapping me well they also got zeus and the bodyguard in all japan too so there's that too the but, only zeus i know about in pro wrestling is tiny lister right no it's not him it's it's a japanese guy <laughs> who goes by damn zeus. it Pretty, he's pretty jacked, though. <laughs> Bring back Tiny Lister's old ass into wrestling. It's fine. Well, I'll tell you what. Violence Giant, you see you want you, you see you see want an FDR satin jacket? I want one of the Violence Giant uh, satin jackets because depending on it, it, it's either a red or baby blue colored, and they are Ooh. literally sparkly. Ja- Japanese wrestling has always been known for strong satin jacket games, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm going to so look that up in a little bit here. You but, you know, those FTR jackets are great. Like, Tully Blanchard's jacket looks really good, man. That's a cool look for them. It's very old school. It's got a little bit of a four horseman feel, but not too much. Just it's reminiscent, but it's and- not totally there. And uh, Tully actually 
accounts into the finish by I love I like the I like this finish a lot. Yeah. I thought this was really well done. Yeah, it was that kind of uh uh was that Scorpio that took the pin? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Scorpio get, gets his leg tied up by Tully. Tully pulls on it, and then Dax grabs Tully and pulls on him yeah. uh, for the three count. So Tully's kind of hidden below the apron outside of the ref's field of vision. Uh, nice little despicable bad guy stuff there. But um, a really great wrestling match uh, leading up to it. So this is something that FTR strikes that balance with, right? Being really great wrestling and also being like shithead heels and not a lot of guys do that you get a lot of this anti-heel stuff right and this anti-face kind of deal where they're like uh, uh like the cool heel these guys aren't really interested in like being the coolest they just happen to be cool through that force of personality right no no it's no. not that I, they're, they're I, trying to like be these cool heels that get cheers they just have to be liked because they're executing what they do so well right and i agree with that so so FTR retain uh, in the aftermath, uh, whilst Adam Page is still on commentary, uh, they announce a number one contender tourney, uh, uh, the final a single elimination eight man, the finals for which will be at full gear, apparently. And um, three of the uh, opponents, three of the uh, participants are named uh, Jungle Boy, Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega, which sends Adam Page into a tailspin. Yeah, Paige got sad. I don't like to see. I don't like to see our boy sad. He was oh, all yeah. like, "Oh no, man! Like, what's going on?" So he uh, he abruptly left with his drink that he brought from home. I love the Julian from Trailer Park Boys energy about him just always having that glass of whiskey in his hand. <laughs> if you just try to take him, like, nope, it's my drink. I brought it from home. When we come, back, what do you think about this tournament idea? Uh, I think it's cool. I mean, I, I mean, it, 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 it's angle building. Obviously. Yeah, but I think it's 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 nice that they add these little wrinkles to determine number one contenders rather than just like pulling them out of a fucking hat or being like, oh, well, here's your number one contender this week. Uh, you know, uh, the, and every tournament they've executed so far has been quite good. I mean, the women's tournament we've talked about quite a lot. I thought it was really good. The uh, TNT championship tournament was quite nice. They did some tag team. They've done a tag team tournament before, right? I feel like there was a tag team tournament at one point. Well, yeah, they yeah to determine the, the, the first champions. champions right? Yeah, the first champ. Yeah, that was a tournament. It was like the early done days. The format quite well to this point so i expect this to be pretty good um you know a lot of it's going to also rest on who the other five competitors are but that's a good first three man it's not going to be nice to see phoenix get that shot it's going to be nice to see jungle boy get that shot and obviously i'm assuming page is going to be on the other side of this bracket and it's going to end up with page and omega in that final at full gear right that's what um, we think now that's yeah you, one would that's think. where i'm at with it now yeah yeah one, one would think one would think, but we have talked about AEW subverting our expectations, so uh, time will tell. Our third match of the evening: Chris Jericho versus uh, Private Party's Isaiah Cassidy. Um, you know what? This this was another good example of the of the match where Jericho wins, but he puts over a younger talent in the process, makes him look good. The biggest takeaway I have from this was um, Jericho and Luther getting into it. <laughs> Uh oh, I think we may have lost. Uh <laughs> oh, have we? Have we uh, lost Paul? Oh here? fuck! I was on mute. Holy shit! Jesus okay, Christ, we're Paul! Good, we're good. What are you doing? Sometimes I'm drinking white sangria and doing a podcast, and sometimes doing both isn't always that easy. All right. So uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, get to the Luther stuff before we talk about Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, because this guy deserves to be discussed. This match was quite well done. Uh, you said it. 
this is what Chris Jericho is best at at this point in his career, in my opinion, is making these younger talents look like a million dollars. Whether or not he wins or loses, whatever, he made Isaiah Cassidy look great. He sold his ass off for him. And to Isaiah Cassidy's credit, Isaiah took every single bit of this opportunity. This guy's 23 years old. Uh, you know, He wrestles like he's beyond his years, man. Yeah, I mean, he was... Uh... No, no, he he looked really good. I thought, but I mean, that was just like the biggest shocker for me was the fact that they they went into a program with Jericho and Luther in the middle of this match. But um, that being said, no, Isaiah Cassidy looked great. Um, probably needs more singles matches to to get a little more seasoned. I mean, I if think. you were to if you want to, you know, give him a singles run in any way, I'm sure he could do it. But you know, Private Party is a really strong team, and Mark Quinn well, is too. also a hell of a wrestler. So it was cool to see him get this, and it's going to raise Private Party's profile overall, which I think is great. And this is another thing: Jericho's singles matches serving the tag team division as well. Uh, it, this is just really well thought out stuff. And despite you know how much of a dipshit Jericho can be, he really gets this wrestling business stuff, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that that much is true. Um, Jericho does get the win, of course, and then uh, we, we get a attempted inner circle beatdown of Isaiah Cassie, but uh, Matt Hardy and, and Mark Quinn uh, chase them off, and uh, Jericho goes right back to <laughs> getting into it with Luther. Yes, so uh, that did, you know, they uh, that has been announced for next week as one of the matches, and Jericho's match for the 30 years of Jericho special. It's going to be Jericho and um against uh they call him what do they call him now chaos theory chaos oh they said it i can't remember what it was oh it's chaos chaos project or something like generator name yeah it's called they're called chaos project now uh serpentico and luther and that's going to be jericho's 30-year celebration match and as always anytime we mention the inner circle or this tag team or anything we must say fuck jake hager indeed especially after last night yeah 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 yeah. Stand by and and, and 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 fuck off. How about that? Yeah, well, they can they can stand by me. I just bought an AR-15 the other day. Fucking stand by that. Oh Jesus, <laughs> we are not getting into this. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's funny though that they're mentioning that it's the 30th anniversary of Jericho because actually, uh, next you, you do realize next episode of this show is episode 50. Wow, that kind of times up nicely. And it is exactly the one-year anniversary because it's the first Wednesday in October, which was you know when Chris and I did ep- you know it was the it was the uh, it was the pilot. It was actually on the second of October, so I guess you know this week technically should be it. But you know first Wednesday in October. So I love how I love how we dovetail it so that it was it's actually episode fifty, even though Dynamite themselves are not celebrating their anniversary until the fourteenth. Right, because I think that'll be their fifty-second episode. Is probably why, right? Well, yeah, but you know, keep in mind, keeping in mind too that they actually took Christmas, they took Christmas week off, so it wasn't fifty-two uninterrupted weeks. Right. Yeah, so, you know, it's TV. It's TV, but you know, I, I'm still saying that this is, you know, you know, it, it's it's the first week, first Wednesday in October. It's our anniversary. It's Jericho's thirtieth anniversary. So hey, yippee skippy. Indeed. I mean, I, I, again, something to be kind of impressed by is that Chris Jericho has been wrestling for 30 years and can still hit that fucking lion salt. Something to also be impressed by, I've done a year's worth of weekly podcasts, and uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I never thought. 
You love to see it. Yeah, I mean, I've, between this and my other projects, yeah, I've been uh, I've been going for about that long myself with some breaks in between. Yeah, but we never took a break for this show. For this show, no, no. No, it's been. But I've been a, I've been part of it for what three months now? About yeah, something like that. Wow, time flies when you're having just so much fun. And speaking of having fun, we cut to Kip Sabian and Miro in an arcade and throwing axes and, uh, you know. They weren't alone, Pac-Man. though. They weren't alone because, and, and, and mentioning the Rumspringer, which, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Never thought I would hear yeah, that. I was refilling my drink, so I didn't catch too much of this segment, but I kind of heard it from the living room a little bit, but you can probably tell us more about this one than I could. Uh, yes, and then uh, Miro is joined by uh, Billy Mitchell. <laughs> The king himself. The king of Kong. Him, the the re, now reinstated <laughs> king of Kong. That's right. That's right. Billy Mitchell did nothing wrong. Billy Mitchell innocent. Free Billy Mitchell. Uh, so Billy Mitchell is part of AEW programming. <laughs> Hell yes. Uh, now we, we can add Billy Mitchell to Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Um, who else has been on uh, AEW for television? Oh, God. Um, They've had some stuff. They've had Tony some Hawk. Stuff. Tony Hawk. Uh, shit. Mike Tyson, yeah. but fuck him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. There's been some peoples uh, on the that's, AEW. It's, this is one that was pretty unexpected, I would say. <laughs> yeah, of all people, Billy Mitchell. Good for Billy. Billy. Get the bag, Billy. I, I, you know what? I, I, you know what? I tell you what, though. If you shave... If he shaved that beard, he would and and, and trim a little bit of the hair off. He it uh, actually resembled Nick Cave a little bit. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would I would like to see a documentary about Nick Cave like learning how to play Donkey Kong at like professional levels. <laughs> I'd be into that. He'd probably be miserable too, because because he's <laughs> Nick Cave. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Of course, he actually has. Of course, it would be like a melancholy gaming documentary. (laughs) Of course, recently, I mean, well, I mean, let's be fair. He in recent times, he's had reason to be miserable. So, (laughs) yeah, something about his son, you know, well, something about his son falling off of a cliff. Yeah, but I'm gonna resist all my urge to tell any Eric Clapton jokes. Let's keep moving. No, yeah, no. (laughs) Oh Jesus. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm just gonna stop that there because I have some not nice things to say about Eric Clapton. So. Oh, don't we all have some not nice things to say about Eric Clapton? Yeah, fuck Eric Clapton. <laughs> Fucking Enoch Powell supporting punk ass. <laughs> yeah, I'll go there. Also, like, close your windows, dude. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh Jesus! You know. Yeah, I, I swear to God, he, 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 if it wasn't for that happening, he would not have had a career as, in, into the 90s. I'm sorry. It's fucked up, but you're probably right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, 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 I'm probably going to burn in hell for saying that, but it's, it's probably correct. We were anyway, on way, dude. Anyway, <laughs> we come back. Best Friends and Orange Cassidy are talking, and FDR show up. Yes, and, they uh... And uh, they uh, they try to talk some shit, and they, they succeeded do. talking some shit. And then they best talk friend... some shit, but I do have to point out, and and not to go too Ben Shapino on you guys, but there was a bit of a logical fallacy in their statement when they said that we are here and you are down here because actually Chuck and Trent are much taller than FTR. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Thank you. <laughs> they had to resort to these ad hominem attacks and not use facts and logic. Yeah. But then, you know, Chuck and Trent just, you know, kind of boo them and then, you know. Yeah, it's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> and then uh, Orange Cassie says something about Wheaties, which I popped a little bit. Oh, yeah. And and once again, and still continues, the the Sue's Van shirt continues to be AEW's best T-shirt to date. You know, they need to knock off Sue's Van because Sue, uh, Sue, Sue will murder you. I'm sorry. It's just I yeah, I wouldn't is. fuck with Sue. I've seen we were seeing what Sue's capable. Of. I'm not fucking yeah, with Sue. Have you seen? Buy, yeah. buy Sue's T-shirt, or she'll kick the shit out of you and give you the finger afterwards. Our fourth match, Orange Cassidy against uh, number 10 of the Dark Order, Preston Vance. And uh, holy crap, the, 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 the Dark Order members that were out there were just going all in on mocking Orange Cassidy and Best Friends. I, I was actually kind of enjoying that. No, it was fun, the John Silver sunglasses thing. Like, John Silver is, like, settling into this role as, like, the wants to be the biggest lackey for Brody. So, like, he's, like, the most tryhard, and he seems to be having a lot of fun with that. And uh, it's been pretty entertaining. So he's the biggest pick me, like uh, some, yes. like, yeah. l- l- like, like some. To be the te- he like wants to be the teacher's pet, and Brody sees right through it and just shits all over him all the time. And I think it's a very fun wrinkle. L- 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 like some wrestling Twitter accounts that we know that, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to talk about Twitter beef. Yeah, we, uh, you, pro- you can see our tweets if you guys follow us on Twitter. You were seen as being mean to a particular bad account recently that deserved it because it's a bad account. It, it, it's a bad. That, we're not going to plug that account. We're not going to name the account because it, they don't deserve it. Uh, I'm just going to say that, 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 yeah, it's a bad account. Uh, the, the bad account's wife is a bad account. and Also collect- a bad account. Uh, also bad account. And collectively, they are uh, complete gobshites. So. I think their wrestling website seems to be dog shit, too. So. <laughs> is it, I haven't even looked. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, we're, again, we're not naming any of them. No, so. we're not. But anyway. Folks, listen to us right here and all the other podcasts in the PWOM Podcast Network. Hey. <laughs> Hey, listen to us on the PWM Podcast Network, not these other shitty wrestling websites. Oh. Orange Cassidy wins. No shock. But, you know, it, there, was, uh, there was some fun, fun stuff in this match. Yeah. Fun match. I will. I, I don't want to get too, like, too much into this, but, like, I think Dark Order is losing too much. And I guess this probably is going to have some narrative purpose. But I do. I'm concerned that we're very quickly diminishing the kind of, like, aura of like what this faction is so there was a dark order tag match and there were what two dark order tag matches on on AEW dark and there was this match tonight and all of them lost so like right what are you doing here you know what i mean but Uh, this is supposed to be like this big time faction brody lee's like the dominant champion champion and his faction guys are just constantly losing i'm not I'm not into it. Like Orange Cassidy could beat somebody else. Why does it have to be Dark Order? Or they cheat and beat Orange Cassidy. If they cheat to beat Orange Cassidy, that L won't matter for Cassidy, right? Like no one's gonna care if Orange Cassidy loses one match because these guys all cheated. Right, but at the same time, I think the whole point of the Dark, or the 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 big overall narrative of the Dark Order is that the Dark Order themselves weren't jack shit until Brody Lee came around. Brody Lee's here, so why are they still fucking losing? Well, Anna J is Anna J losing? Anna J's only match has really recently has been against Brandy, and she did win that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. So that's you know, I mean, that's good, but like, right. yeah, the, the tag match guys are losing. Like the the former Beaver Boys lost, and then they had Allen Angels and Preston Vance 
had a match on Dark. They lost. But what about um, what about Uno and, and, and Grayson? They lost their last match, didn't they? I'm pretty sure they lost their last match. Oh, I think you these guys keep right. losing. Yeah. Uh, no, no, there was one. It was uh, Colt Cabana and John Silver had a match on Dark. They lost. Hey, you might so be right. Or maybe might. it was Colt Cabana and Stu Grayson. Either way, they lost. You might be right. They're, I think they're losing too much, and I'm concerned about that. I'm assuming there's narrative purpose to it, and I guess we're just going to have to let it play out. And again, speaks to AEW changing up our expectations of what these things are supposed to be. I have an expectation and, you know, admittedly so, and this is not what my expectation was of this faction after they kind of became dominant and Brody won the championship, especially. So I'll let it play out, man. They're good at the slow burn stuff. They're good at, you know, letting these things play out to serve an overall narrative that ends up being satisfying by the end. They've done it with most of their storylines besides, you know, the nightmare collective, but we won't get into that. Uh, Hmm. So we'll just let that play out, I guess. Why not? Afterwards, we go backstage, and uh, MJF is just kind of casually dropping in on Chris Jericho and the inner circle, uh, bringing gifts in which uh, Sammy Guevara gets dissed without a jacket. Yes, uh, but I mean, you know, he he said he just forgot it, or he blamed Wardlow for forgetting it, rather, to be more accurate. Yes, and. Something that you know I've talked about before, and I'm pretty sure of, and this probably nailed it home for me. Chris Jericho is absolutely writing these segments, right? He has to be at this point. This feels so much like it's written by Chris Jericho. It just is written in his voice. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and you know he's been he's done comedy before, and he's done comedy acting, and worked with comedy people. So I'm sure he's you know wanted to get his feet wet writing these segments. They definitely feel like they're written by him, and they're well written. I think it's pretty good stuff. Um, him and MJF, the chemistry continues. They do really well together. This was a, a well-constructed segment. Uh, they, they and of course, you know the, the 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 main hook of the segment was the callback to the promo back from back in November. And that's good writing, brother. Callbacks are good stuff. Yeah, I mean they they literally went right back to it, except with you know a- added you know now we have Hager and, and Wardlow staring down each other. But which uh, also, I mean, as much as you know, fuck Jake Hager. Two big dudes staring each other down. Fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's still MJF and and Jericho interaction going on. My favorite part of this segment, though, uh, may not have even been intentional. But uh, did you notice that when uh, the segment was over, when, you know, when Sammy says that MJF is a loser and and Jericho says, eh, maybe not. Did you notice that there was a little bit of a freeze frame there? Like I it, did notice like, the like it was a, I thought it was really cool. Like, like yeah, it was I, an old, old old sitcom. And I hope that that was done on purpose because it worked. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping it was too. But and yeah, I'm assuming was... it was because usually they just do a standard fade out there unless they just cut it too early, which I, they're usually pretty careful with those kind of editing stuff yeah. uh, with these pre-taped segments. So, yeah, I would assume that they did the freeze frame. Again, speaks to probably written and directed by Chris Jericho. Right, but again, it'd be, it, I, I, I'm really hoping that the freeze frame was intentional because it, it gave yeah. it the feeling like a, a segment from like an old sitcom. You know, Absolutely. Another yeah. little uh, small thing about this segment that really worked for me is when uh, MJF gave Santana his jacket. Santana didn't even put his arms out to catch it. He just let it hit his chest and just kind of looked down. I was like, fuck is this shit? <laughs> I, I, I did, thought that I was really that. effective, too. I did notice um, that. No, the, good stuff. I'm excited to see where this inner circle slash MJF thing goes it's kind of hard to to parse 
about where it's going to end up. And I like that. It shouldn't, you know, things shouldn't always be so obvious. In wrestling, a lot of things are obvious and on the nose and right in front of you. Uh, this one's got a little more mystery to it, and I, I'm willing to let this play out as well. Our fifth match of the evening, uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, makes her return to Dynamite to uh, basically squash Red Velvet. And Yeah, uh, poor Red Velvet. She's 0-8 now, but there's a lot of talent there, and I think they got something there as well. Speaks to the depth of the AEW women's division. Why is there one fucking women's match on this card every week? Why is our champion not here? Why did the only time we see Nyla Rose is she jumps over the guardrail and beats somebody up for five seconds? Why don't we get women's tag team matches? Where are Ivelisse and Diamante? What the fuck are they doing here? This is the one thing that genuinely upsets me about this show every week. We have to address this. It's becoming a bigger and bigger elephant in the room every week. Yeah, no, no, it, it, no, it, it's infuriating. I mean, again, why is Nyla only beating people up during in, in the midst of a broader segment, you know? They have a very deep division. I guess I saw Rache Chanel on Dark yesterday. She's great. They have so much talent in this division. Like, why do I need 10 minutes of Orange Cassidy and Preston Vance when I could, we could just have easily gotten the same point across in five and given another women's match? Or, you know, there's a lot of things we could have done here and the wild ways they could have blocked this show and, and done things on this show to put another women's match on the card, at least one more. Or just cut some other shit out. Do anything, but feature your women on this roster more. And you have this perception from some fans that the women's division in AEW may be weak. That's incorrect. They have the talent. It's just not being featured properly. And it has no fault of the women on the roster themselves because every time the women are going out and asked to perform, they consistently do it. There are very few weak women's matches on this show or on AEW Dark. Uh, to be fair, in the beginning parts of uh, of Dynamite, when Dynamite Absolutely. first started, there were but some That was issues. a year ago, and this right. ha- that has completely changed. This is one of the gaps that, talent-wise, they filled these gaps. Booking-wise, they have not. And that's a big disconnect for me, and it has to be addressed. Uh, the other thing that I think needs to be addressed is, yeah, Jim Ross needs to not call women's matches anymore because this baddest bitch on the block thing. <laughs> Jesus fuck. That up. Jesus fuck. Like, like, brother, that's not your line. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, that is not your line. Oh man, yeah, that, this is where this is where it would serve them to throw Vita Scott on commentary for women's matches. Yeah, seriously, if they want to get that over, but yeah, and Jim, real talk, and I've I said this a month ago, and I still believe it. I think from the time that she has begun her run on AEW, Vita Scott has been their best commentator, and I still believe that. Yeah, but yeah, Jim Ross has no call for saying that whatsoever. So uh, yeah, it just. You know, and I, I'm not going to like go too hard on it, but it just doesn't sound natural coming from him at all. It just feels like such an out of place comment that it really did like it's jarring. You know, you don't want to hear this 68 year old man be like, I'm sure he's the baddest bitch on the roster. Yeah. Christ. Yeah, get on Twitter and just like horny reply to stand up comics or whatever. At, at some point, they they need to really seriously consider maybe putting him out the pasture. But I mean, but they won't because he's value, an and I think in spots and in spots he's done really well. Like I can't, I'm not going to just say Jim Ross is bad all the time. He's done quite well in a lot of different spots, but where he falters, it's very glaring. Yeah, no, 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 no. I I agree. 
our final match of the evening. Uh, John Moxley versus a an opponent to be named by Eddie Kingston, who um, decides to first give Bryce Remsburg a complete bollocking on the mic for for uh, you know calling the match last week when he didn't tap. He did, but and Remsburg bollocked back. He did. He did. And then he did bollock uh, back. And uh, once again, they, they, they seemed like they were listening to me. They seemed like they listened to this show because I said I wanted, I, I said, damn you, give me Mox versus Pentagon. We did say that. Now, Pentel one thing I will say know. is on my Twitch stream earlier at twitch.tv slash we did a little preview of AEW Dynamite and some predictions. And I did, I did predict that it would be the Butcher as the uh, uh, opponent for tonight's match. So that was my prediction officially before this show started. Well, I, it, well, good call because it was the right one. So, once again, I'm going to call AEW Booker's complete fucking cowards for not giving now, me <laughs> Moxley versus Penta. I understand your emotions as it relates to this, but first of all, facts don't care about your feelings, Jeff. <laughs> Second of all, counterpoint: eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best counterpoint you can make to that. Oh, another ad hominem. Uh, the left just loves to throw their ad hominems around. <laughs> Left, right, I'm the guy who hosts this show. And that's what Eat they want. Shit. And, that, and this is what they want. And this is what they want. This is what they want. This is a feminist. Uh, uh, this is an attack from the left on my person. There's no facts and logic. Okay. But anyways, no, this was, you're right. But also that match is big, 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 big money. So it's okay if I don't see it now, if I believe that I'll see it later. And I still do believe that that one's in their back pocket. Well, they have to know that that match is going to happen. I'm okay with waiting on it. And – the Butcher rocks. Andy Williams, awesome. Every Andy, time I die, awesome. Andy and Williams awesome. Is, is good, although so that's that, really cool to see him get elevated like this yeah, that, uh, in a spot that you wouldn't expect him in. That flying crossbody was not good, though. <laughs> Look, for a guy that big after being blown up in that match, I thought it was fine, man. Like, he just, he's not a top ropes guy. This is not something he does very often you to know, go that, out of his comfort zone for a match like this. Yeah, that may and, be true. And, you know, one thing I, I enjoy about stuff like this, sometimes wrestling can look too clean. It can look too – like moves being executed perfectly all the time really gives it a performative kind of theater scripted feel, you know, a, a choreographed feel where when things get a little bit sloppy like this and a little off center and a little off kilter makes things feel a little more like a fight to me. And I respect and appreciate that. I don't think wrestling should always be so clean, especially when you have your your competitors being guys like Butcher and guys like Mox, who are fighters, right? These are brawlers. These aren't the the do high spots, flippy, jumpy, chain wrestling, big lucha sequences and stare downs and that kind of shit, guys, right? These guys fight. And this match felt like a fight. It did, and I'm not saying it was a bad match. It, it, do, do I thought I, it was a really good did, match, did, actually. Did, I thought it oh, really no, I, was. I, I thought it was good. It, it was good for, for Butcher's first single showing in AEW. Yeah, that was pretty damn good. Um, I, I have to say, I do like the fact that they have seem, almost seamlessly transitioned for the, the feud of Mox and Archer to Mox and Eddie Kingston's group. Um just during this interim while Archer is still, you know, quarantining himself. Yes. And a uh, good storytelling, good narrative work here. Um, Eddie Kingston is the best Mike man on television, right? Like, I don't think there's really even a discussion Ooh, to have boy. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's the guy. It's him. He has, he has brought something that 
was kind of missing actually from AEW. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I mean, there have been some really good promos and some really effective stuff, but this guy, week in and week out, anytime you put a mic in his hand, he's just blowing it out the fucking water, man. And and this is a a current AEW that has good promo guys like uh, Moxley, Taz, Mm -hmm. uh, Jake Roberts. And, you know, despite some of your misgivings, I think MJF is a very good promo guy. Chris Jericho's been a, you know, he's one of the, you know, consistently best promo guys for 30 years. He's a veteran of it. You know, he's he's great at that, too. Um, I think Brandy cuts an all right promo when she's uh, like got the right script. I think she's a more of a rehearsed type person. But hey, I think, I think Nyla, can, Nyla can talk. Nyla can cut a promo. Absolutely. Cody can cut a promo like, you know, they got people that can work on the mic. But no, Brody, Eddie Kingston, Brody Lee. Brody Lee has cut some very good promos uh, since his uh, title run especially started. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Kingston's the man. He's a cut above. He is. I agree. He 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 is fantastic, and he's an all Japan yeah, fan. So of course I gotta give the thumbs up for that. So <laughs> yeah, couldn't couldn't be a nicer guy too. He he rocks. Oh yeah, no, he he he's really good. And in the end, of course, Mox retains because I mean I don't think Butcher was gonna win. No, but you know what? They made this match effective and had a couple of real close counts that just gave you enough glimmer to keep the match believable and keep people invested. I thought that was really good uh, and really well done there. And, you know, Mox's selling is a big part of what did that. It, it was, yeah. He, he, he the sold, knee stuff was really good. He sold that knee, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was hoping to see Butcher attack it more. I would have liked him to see him attack the knee just a little. Like, it was dumb, but just a little bit more here and there. And I say, I, I thought he pretty well concentrated on mm-hmm. it. I don't know. I'm, I'm nitpicking here. I'm, I'm picking a couple nits. Like, there was a couple of times where the obvious move was go to the knee and then he did something else. But, again, completely nitpicking. I don't think it diminished the match. And with that, we end episode 49 of uh, so, AEW Dynamite. At the end of that match, before we get into the rest of the stuff, we have a Twitter question from a Twitter user that relates to that match. So I figured we could do me. it right now. Oh, shit. I am not kidding you. Oh, my God. Um, so if you follow us at BGTD Podcast, uh, we take questions every Wednesday night after the show, and we try to answer them right here on the podcast. Uh, Twitter user, our great friend, uh, Fredo Fabrucci uh, asked us if we have any theories on other unlikely people for Kingston to throw at Mox. If you were so, so let's try to boil that down for time purposes and say if you could pick one other person for Eddie Kingston to challenge John Moxley, who would you choose? Well, you know what my real answer would be, but I mean, but in the no, spirit it, of, of the of the question, <laughs> um, wow, a left field pick for Eddie Kingston to throw at Mox. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be on, on the current AEW roster. No, let's say it can be anybody. Nick Gage. Oh God, I love that. You know, I love that. <laughs> and <laughs> I just, I just bought like a hundred dollars worth of Nick Gage merchandise. Oh, like, you God. know, I'm the, the MDK <laughs> all day website, man. You hey, you had to support the guy while he's hurt. Oh yeah, he is hurt, isn't he? Yes, he is. But he'll he'll be back. He'll be back strong. I got a feeling he's gonna do something at the collective. Um, Ricky Shane Page announced he's going to have an open challenge at spring break, so watch out for that. So who, who was your uh, who was your pick? Ooh, man, I thought about this quite a lot, but I have to go with one that I've actually saw. Uh, well, God, man, I don't know. You know, there, there's a lot of really good answers to this. Um, probably Homicide. Oh, Probably okay. Homicide, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think Homicide would rock, man. I think you know, it'd be great for a guy like Kingston to introduce him. Him and Mox would put on an absolute banger. 
Uh, I think that would be real cool. Okay. All right. I'm, but I'm we know that, that our both of our real answer is Pentagon, but for the sake of this, I'm glad we got into that too. Okay. But yeah, Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, Pentagon, of course. Yeah, Pentagon. So. <laughs> All right. So next week is our 50th episode, and uh, yeah, it'll be one year of doing this show. Um, 50 weeks of Boom Goes the Dynamite, 30 years of Chris Jericho. You can't miss it, folks. 50 episodes of Boom Goes the Dynamite, because remember, we also have the, the you know the, the pay-per-view specials and you know and, and other things we've done, too. So. And we'll be here for all those specials, and it'll continue to be special as long as you tune in right here at Boom Goes the Dynamite. So, uh, yeah, so stay tuned for uh, next week. I'm going to see if uh, maybe Chris or Lawrence want to join in. Oh, I'd love that. Hell yeah. See if, see if they want to join in for, for a one-year anniversary. But That uh, would be fantastic. Folks, go uh, follow uh, Chris and Lawrence and tell them to come on the pod. In the meantime, Paul, plug yourself. I will. The stream is back. The aforementioned stream that is back is still back, even at the end of this podcast. Uh, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash thickflare. All C's, no K's, all days. We have been doing wrestling stuff. I've been playing Civ again. Having a lot of fun just interacting with chat, doing all kinds of cool stuff. We're going to go back to watching like old school wrestling on Saturday mornings probably. If oh, I can nice. get energy to it. Um, we're going to watch some wrestling documentaries. Uh, we're going to keep doing the AEW dark stuff. Uh, we're going to do Lucha underground on Mondays again. So there's a lot to look forward to there. So please follow me on Twitch. I really, I love streaming, man. I really do. It's been a lot of fun to be back to it. And, uh, you know, the chat is what really keeps me going. So come follow me there. Come check me out there. Follow me on Twitter at thick TTV and follow the podcast on Twitter at BGTD podcast. It's where we take all your questions for this podcast. We interact. I live tweet during these shows usually, which I did tonight as well. So you can get some of our thoughts there. That's BGTD podcast. Like boom goes the dynamite podcast, BGTD podcast on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I, I'm we're to start hyping that up a little bit more as, uh, right. as we get into uh, all the various anniversaries that are coming up. In the meantime, you can follow me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter, my personal Twitter, at GD Wessel. Uh, as I mentioned at, uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, this weekend uh, we're going to be doing another Busting Balls episode with the fashion, the annual fashion show, which is basically where we look at all the kits that uh, clubs are wearing, and we pick uh, some of our absolute favorites and some that absolutely need to be uh, <laughs> mocked and, and, and burned at the stake. So, you know... <laughs> And do you me, have a do you have a personal favorite uh like soccer kit or, or shirt that you've owned? Um yeah, my my retro arsenal shirt because it's Ooh, that's it, really it, good. It, it, it's it, because a I can How retro? Like what retro? Was it a player shirt or It's not a player shirt, but it's it's the cut of the shirt and it's the thickness of it. It's a replica oh, okay. of of a 197 of the 1970 oh shit. 1971 Arsenal shirt Ooh, uh, from from yeah, well, one, one, of, one of their double years when they won when they won the title and the FA Cup. So I, I have a two way tie for for favorites that I've owned. It's um the I had the AIG era Manchester United Wayne Rooney in red. Okay, and I really loved that when I was a big Wayne Rooney guy growing up because you know he was what for we're roughly the same age and he was playing professional soccer while I was fucking using him on FIFA and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, I had a white LA Galaxy Landon Donovan, like circa 2008, 2009, maybe. Oh, nice. Okay. With the collar. Ooh, yeah. It was yeah. real clean. It yeah. Was a real clean one. 
Right on. Yeah, uh, you, you, yeah. We'll we'll get into some of our favorite uh, kits that we've seen for this season uh, coming up. So, actually, my favorite shirt that I don't own is for um, it's the away shirt for a uh, a, a semi pro team uh, called Cla- Clapton CFC um, in London. They're an anti fascist football club, and their away shirt looks like the uh, the the the. Spanish anti-fascist flag from the Spanish Civil War. Oh, that rocks. And I'm sure they would never let their kids fall out of a window. Uh, Probably not. So, And with that, (laughs) we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye now.